This is Greg Lazinski, and you're listening to Baseball BBQ. Hi, this is Gary Mack of the Mets Musings Podcast, and you're listening to Jeff and Len on Baseball and Barbecue, one of my favorite podcasts, and I know it's one of yours, too. The only problem is... After I get done listening to it, I'm hungry. All right, guys, take it away. Grab a cold one, sit back, relax, enjoy, and welcome to episode number 29 of Baseball and BBQ. I am Len Aberman, and this is Jeff Cohen. We hope that you enjoyed part one of our interview with Shane Draper of Grilla Grills. That's grillagrills.com. We hope you enjoyed it so much that you couldn't wait to get back for part two, which we're going to have right after we do this intro. Yeah, they have a, a great, great product. And, you know, actually check out grillagrills.com. Uh, they have the pictures of their their uh, their sm- smokers and, and Komodo Grill. Uh, they have videos, recipes, accessories. Just check it out. And not only do they have the grills, guys, they also have rubs and sauces. You know, people are always asking, oh, I you know, what kind of rubs should I use? Or, you know, on the website they have their rubs and sauces. You know, sometimes you get tired of the same old sauces that you buy at the grocery store. I mean, it's, it's really... You, you know that the, even even if you're in an area where they've got a very good selection of sauces, you still, you run out, you, you, you want to try different ones. Shane is always making sauces, and as you'll hear, or I, I'm not sure if it was in part one or part two, um, he talks about that, uh, making the sauces and how he does it. Absolutely. But let's get to a little business first. We want you to give you our phone number. Please give us a call at 516-855-8214. You can leave a message, leave a comment on our Facebook page. You can email us, baseballandbbq at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. As we did our last last episode, we had Larry R. He wrote a uh, long letter, and but we, we, we really appreciated it. Len, um, what else are we going to talk about today? I think we're going to talk about a little geography, don't you think? Yeah, we're going to talk about geography, um, specifically Mount Rushmore. Ooh, that sounds... How do we relate that to baseball? But you'll find out. Right. Well, actually, it's funny because the discussion of Mount Rushmore came up from this interview that we did with Shane. We'll explain it after part two, so stay tuned. Enjoy the second part of this interview. You mentioned some people that... For uh, probably people that are watching this now are familiar with those names. They're like the the, the rock stars of barbecue. Yeah. yeah. Right? I mean. The, the Mount Everest of barbecue. Yeah, probably, right? The Mount, yeah. Yeah, my, my, yeah. my product's moment is we finished Mount Rushmore. Memphis and May. Mount we've had several years as well. Grill Grills. We, they're great guys, and we're there to beat them every time. I love it. <laughs> Uh, first of all, uh, Shane, first of all, thank you for, for your service, for your uh, service to the country. Yes. Everybody appreciates it. Um, you manufacture the grills, you do the sauces, the rubs, you, you sell them. Do you also write about them? Because I did see a blog on your website. 
Yeah, that- yeah, I actually write quite a bit. Um, uh, it not well. I say that I used to write quite a bit. I don't as much anymore because um, customer service with Gorilla keeps us pretty busy. I love to write, though. Um, I, in fact, when the Gorilla gig kind of came up, I was about 50, 50, 60 recipes into a book I was working on. And they said, we need some content for the website. What do you got? And I just, I was like, well, just take this. I'm just going to reformat the book anyway and redo it. Um, and that's the, my book actually became the base recipes for the Gorilla site. Um, and, and that's cool. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. It'd be, you know, I, I still intend to write a book someday with some of my stories in it that I want to do a storybook that's also barbecue recipes, right? Like tell some of these stories about being at this time in Memphis and May and we use this sauce and here's how you make it and, you know, here's what it goes well with kind of thing. I think that's going to be the next format of the book. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I love to write. I'd like to do it more. Um, and I intend to do it more, but, Right now, the the interviews and the videos and stuff just keep me so fulfilled. And working with the uh, the fans of Gorilla make me really happy. And I, I love what I do for Gorilla. That's terrific. Now we interviewed um, Bob Kendrick, right? So he's the mm-hmm. president of the Negro Leagues, the Baseball Negro Leagues Museum in Kansas City, Missouri. So we interviewed him about baseball and barbecue. Um, so what I'm getting to is Kansas City has uh, what's the big competition in Kansas City? Oh, the American Royal. Right, and so have you competed there? I am not as my own team. So that was a mistake I made early on. Is that I would be in the background helping a lot of teams win and not as my own team. That's changed a lot in the last three years. I've really decided I had to take more of the spotlight, um, just because everyone inside barbecue knew me. And owes me a lot of favors, but people outside of barbecue who would eventually buy a book didn't know me. So I was like, well, I got to step out of the spotlight a little more. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've actually been to the Royal three different times. Um, and uh, the last time I was there, I competed with my my real good friend Ben Wilson of Q Bones. And I look, for, I'm so blessed this year. I get to compete with Q Bones and Ben uh, 13 different times, and we are going to be a featured team. On the BamaQ season three show, it kicks off uh, here in about three weeks. We do our first competition down in Montgomery, and uh, I'm, I'm stoked, man. We we want to go win seven and go to the Jack Daniels World Invitational, and we want to win Memphis and May this year. That's our goal. We want to nice. we'll be the first team to win both in the same year. Well, well we're rooting for you. Yeah, we yeah. <laughs> the um, so what, what do you think? Okay, so you got American Royal, you have Memphis in May, you've got the Jack Daniels. Um, first of all, competition barbecue. Um, what are your thoughts on competition barbecue? Because you know you hear you hear stories about how you have to have a lot of money to do it. We went to this, like I told you, we went to the competition in Staten Island. I think maybe there were thirty teams there or something. It wasn't a lot. Um, some of them did have the big, you know, the big campers, a lot of money. I mean, there were some guys that had smokers there uh, that were just, you know, a couple of tremendous. I mean, just the pellet smokers. They had Myron Mix and water smokers. They had, I mean, just tons of different. They had things. some guys who made their own uh, smokers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, do you think that competition barbecue is on an upswing, or is it going down, or what? What do you, what do you think about competition? 
I honestly, and I, I'm going to get, I'm going to take some flack for this, but I, I, I always, always tell it like it is. I think competition barbecue guy has gotten away from what made competition barbecue great. It used to be we were all very broke and we sat around a fire all night <laughs> trying to stay warm, shooting the breeze and drinking beer. And I know that doesn't sound awesome, but you, I made some of my best friends ever doing that. And well, sure. What I hate now are these guys with these $500,000 motorhomes pulling a $50,000 rig, rolling in. You never see them because they're inside their motorhome the whole time. And it's cool. They brought their family. Like, I love that part. Like, they're able to bring their family. Right. But it has broke down the community of barbecue, in my opinion. And it's made barbecue feel very inaccessible for some. Um I, I miss the days where I thought, man, for a couple grand, I can buy a little trailer and a couple pits and go out there and win. You know, the average entry fee uh, is, is several hundred dollars for a KCBS contest, and then you're going to have a couple hundred dollars in fuel, uh, a brisket that's going to allow you to win anymore because everyone's cooking these high-end wagyus is going to be about right. 200 uh, You know, it, it's, it's easy to tie up a $1,000 and not win a daggum thing. Right, for and, a weekend. Uh, yeah, yeah, for a weekend, and it scares a lot of people off. Right. You've got to be good anymore. Listen, you know, that, that's the other piece of this, that everyone's gotten really good, and it used to be that you could show up and have a chance, right? <laughs> it's, but now, I mean, it is... I mean, it's prime time, baby. You know what I mean? Everybody is good and, and well-practiced, and that... I love that on one hand, but I do miss the com- some of the camaraderie that I feel has died. Now, I will say this. If someone's interested in getting into cooking and they want to do it on the cheap and they experience that camaraderie and the fun, just the fun of it, the State Cook-Off Association is doing it right. For 150 bucks, you show up with a Weber kettle grill that costs you probably 50 bucks. Uh, they're going to give you two steaks. You're going to cook them. You're going to turn them in. And you might win 500 bucks. And you're, you're in and out on a Saturday. And they're really fun. I, I do really enjoy those. But it's a whole, and I, I've heard of that and I agree with you, but it's, it's a whole, it's, it's, it's almost like a different sport in itself. It's, oh, it is a different sport. You know, totally. it's, yes. it's totally sure. different. So, yeah. um, like the minor leagues. Yeah, well, I mean, it's... Yeah, it, I would the minor it, leagues. This is just okay. the difference in... Right, okay. Uh, like, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say women's NBA. <laughs> what did you say? I wouldn't say that. Don't call the minor leagues! Like I said, uh, I'm not the barbecue expert here. He is. No, I'm not an expert, but don't do that! No, it's, no, it's true. It's I, But it, it is a different animal. It's a di- I mean... You know, it's it's steak, and uh, but you're right. It, it it that you spend an afternoon because when we went to this competition, there were guys there. They had slept overnight. Uh, they were tired. We're there two days early most times. You yeah. know, I, think about the time investment that is. Right, you know? right. Yeah, you have to have a very understanding family to, unless they come with you. <laughs> you know, right. and there were several of those there too. Yeah, yeah. there were. There, there, yeah. there were. And what about the other thing, Shane? With competition barbecue, the thing you always 
you always hear. And, and we were able to, you know, we were interviewing people there, which was great because we could, then they would give us some of their food. I mean, we tasted, you know, <laughs> they were, they were, yeah. Yeah, he's trying to remote them. Right. That's fine. Right. Exactly. Right. right. Exactly. Exactly. I, 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 will you talk to us for a rib? Um, but the taste profile is so different. And what I, what I always wonder about competition is they always say, well, competition, it's one bite and you wouldn't want to eat a rack of ribs that are competition. But I, I'm always amazed by that. So what are you cooking? Who are you cooking for then? If, if it's something that people wouldn't want to eat a lot of, to me, well, I want something that I want a lot of. Yeah, so here's the tough part. Again, it is kind of one bite barbecue, and it's very rich and it's very sweet. Um, and these judges are conditioned, right? They're not. If you can get a judge to take a second bite, you usually have won. Uh, but they're conditioned, right? They 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 get their table and they're going to sit out their six or however many you know entries on their table, and they're going to take a bite of each and pick a winner and. Uh, my problem is, and, and again, it's going to sound terrible, competition barbecue literally makes me ill. <laughs> I don't eat very many carbs ever, um, so I'm you know, trying to cut weight, and I'll use that as my Saturday as my cheat day, and man, I can have one bite of competition chicken and be sick within 10 minutes, because it is so laden with... Because it's basically been smoked in a bath of butter, and then they put this ultra sweet sauce on it, and it just violently reacts with me. I don't. I'm not a fan. I hate competition chicken. Um, ribs, I do better on brisket. I actually really like, generally speaking, uh, as long as it's not been overly injected. Um, you know, pulled pork. I I love pulled pork, just not competition pulled pork. Right. Because again, they made it too sweet. Remember when I mentioned the, you know, the melody or the song, the saucer rub? My problem is competition barbecue, there's only three notes in it, okay? Sweet, a touch of heat, and you might get lucky if there's some savory. And I mean severely lucky, but it's usually sweet with a touch of heat. That's your, that's your flavor profile, no matter what you're turning in. Um, and it drives me nuts. I'm not a fan, personally. The uh, Super Bowl's coming up, right? We will. This we'll probably release this before. Well, this here we are before the Super Bowl. We'll probably release this before the Super Bowl. So, what what do you like to make for the Super Bowl? Everything we lost in the game. Do we? Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. 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 I, so you said Super Bowl is coming up, and then right. What do you, what, what are you going to make? Um, not much, guys. I'll be honest with you. I am boycotting the Super Bowl. I am sick of Patriots. So, um, who's your who's your? I grew up a Steelers fan. I right. still am a Steelers fan. Okay. Ah. Uh, um, okay. I, from the seventies, my dad was a huge Cowboys fan, and I this this probably tells you why we never got along. <laughs> Very early on, I picked the other good team, which was the Steelers in the seventies. Right. Yes. Right. And I've stuck with them my whole life. Um, and it's not that I don't think Brady's good. It's not that I don't think Belichick is a coaching genius. It's just I'm doggone sick of them. <laughs> um, I, I probably would have watched if it was New Orleans and the Patriots because I really 
felt like New Orleans could win that game, maybe. But the way it went down with the Rams, ah, man. I am going to probably make some. It's my cheat day. So I'm going to make some wings. Um, But I'm not going to make much else. Usually I put on a huge spread, man. Pulled pork, brisket, wings. Like oh, the whole what time? Uh, what time are we coming over? Right. <laughs> now, are you going to utilize both the uh, the Komodo, uh, the the uh, Kong, and the Gorilla, or are you just going to use it with, with just wings, man? I'm probably just going to throw it on the Gorilla or just a Silverback, um, and that's going to be it. I'm, what I love about wings is I can do those really low carb, and if I want to eat like ten pounds of wings, I'm still okay. <laughs> I can't count this chicken, but I'll eat ten thousand. <laughs> so the wings, you gotta, you gotta cook them. Uh, all right, you, the skin on a wing, right? You, you don't want rubbery skin. So tell us the secret to making good wings. Heat, heat, heat. heat. You gotta finish them hotter than you think, man, and don't sauce them to the very, very end. Um, you can add a little. You know, one of the tricks of the trade because I like a crispy grilled wing is I take a little bit of a bacon powder, a little bit of salt kind of put the wings in a bag and shake it up real good and I lay them out on a wire rack put them in the refrigerator for about six hours and that baking powder um, helps change the pH in those wings so basically they crisp a lot easier um, but if I'm not doing that man I honestly kind of like my wings a little charred I know that doesn't sound very you know elegant but I like a charred wing with a little bit of sauce, you know, or no sauce at all, just rub, and, and I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah, actually, yeah, sometimes I, I, yeah, sometimes I don't even like to use sauce. I like, you know, just a dry rub, whether it's wings or or ribs or, yep. you know. I like to taste the smoke. I, I really do. I think if you're cooking them right, you get a little bit of smoke, you get a little bit of rub on there, and you just don't need a lot else. Um, I just did an interview with Forbes uh, online where they kind of pitted me against the anchor bar for, you know, which wings should you cook, right? Uh, you know, the original Buffalo New mm. York anchor bar, of course, they're right. deep fried and, you know, it's got to use this ultra vinegary, you know, sauce. I'm like, I don't like those at all, actually. <laughs> I prefer my wings grilled. Uh, a little bit of honey barbecue sauce, maybe. Uh, but I just like a good grilled wing uh, with with rub or even just lemon pepper or Parmesan garlic's great. I right. Mean, so it doesn't. I, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I, I I try to cut calories and still enjoy it. That's just where I'm at right now. I was just going to say, so it doesn't have to be super hot. Um, I like a hot wing. I do. Um, but for me, no, I I don't have to have a super hot wing at all. Uh, there's a category, right? I think there. I think there's wings. There's good wings, and there's hot wings. And, right. You know, they're just to me, they're different. It's it's like what we just talked about, right? It's it's you know WBA NBA. They they both have their place. <laughs> they're uh-huh. just different. Exactly. Um, just I know we're running out of time, right? I don't want to, uh, um, but. Well, let me ask you this. Okay. Why are you looking? <laughs> I had a question if, I wanted to if, ask. If you, but, people wanted to uh, get in touch with you, uh, you know, get, get buy the product or ask you questions, how could they do that? So we answer our Facebook messages religiously. Um, the at Gorilla Grills on Facebook. Um, yeah. we, I, I, we're notorious for replying to these guys that are up at one or two in the morning, like I was looking, comparing to this, and they're like, who? <laughs> what? Are you the guy in the video? It's like, yeah. 
Why are you talking to me? It's like, I was, uh, so it's cool, man. So, um, people talk to myself and Mark way more than they think they do. We don't always tell them that. Um, sometimes we do. Uh, Jeremy's great in our customer support department. Jenna is as well. And, um, you know, Cindy. I mean, we got a, we got a great team. We got a fantastic team of support folks. But the best way, if you're not in a hurry for your answer, uh, meaning you want it to take more than 15 minutes, uh, just email us. Grillmaster at GorillaGrills.com or Pitmaster at GorillaGrills.com. Uh, that hits our ticketing system. We respond to every ticket. And uh, we, we're notorious for calling people on Saturdays and Sundays and helping them out. And it's just who we are. You know, once you buy one of our grills, you're part of the family. And the last thing we want to do is, like, you know, you've got to get together that is being ruined because, you know, you're having an issue with your grill. So we do our best to fix it straight away and, and reply to you as soon as we can with, within reason. We do have to sleep, you know, <laughs> but we do our best. Yeah, customer service, that's one of the things that you hear. There's a, any company, you know, the customer service is vital. And especially with something like a a pellet grill or something like that, where the people that get it may not know how to use it right away or, you know, it's, it's, there's a learning curve. We've made such an impact with our customer service. And and listen, that, that's all Mark Graham, guys. He is just relentless. You look up relentless customer service. That's him, right? And that's the guy in the video if you go onto the website, right? Right. Shorter guy with bald hair. I'm the fatter guy with hair. uh, That's how we describe each other. Uh, But, you know, we've made such an impact with our customer service that MBBQA has asked us to come out this year to their national conference and just talk about what we do for customer service. So if that's not telling you that we are just hell-bent on doing it, that – I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> thank you. I, I want to thank you, Shane. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you, Shane. It's been really enjoyable. Is, yeah, we learned a lot. We're, we're not on an exact time limit, guys. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I say it's about an hour. If you've got more questions, ask them. It's cool. Um, my family is out eating uh, right now, so when they come back, uh, the dog will bark. And I know it's roughly time to be done. So. Well, tell you the truth, uh, we have a, uh, another uh, interview to uh, get to in a few minutes. Uh, baseball related, uh, not your competition, baseball related, but uh, we want to thank you for your time. It's yeah. very, really when, enjoyable. When I want to ask him something else. How often do I get to talk to Shane Draper? Okay. Well, now, you have well, now that I have your number. <laughs> um, all right. Give give us some pointers for making a brisket. I, I know. Okay. That might be too vague. So I made I made a brisket, right, with the flat, just the flat, and I dried it out. Okay. Yeah. Um I don't know. It's like asking the, the barbecue guru. Yeah. To, but let, let, give me some let pointers. Me, let me just tell you what my brisket process is for at home. Okay, oh, thank okay. you. Thank you. Okay, so I rarely cook just the flats. I know in the Northeast it can be tough to find the full pack. Yes. Of flats, okay. Right. That's the, that's the tough part. Yes. It is. So the thing with flats is everyone wants to go super low and slow, right, so you don't dry it out. Guess what you're doing? You're trying it out. I cook them hotter and faster than you think. Okay, treat them like a giant steak in some regards, and they'll they'll typically turn out better. That said, 
my brisket process is as follows. <laughs> I always cook a whole pack of briskets because I like the point. I like the point where they do the flat, it's personal preference, okay? So I start there, I trim all the hard, waxy fat off. Um, I The softer fat, yep, I do leave it on to about a quarter inch. I don't like a ton of fat. And the reason why, the more fat you leave on, you're raising the mass of that brisket. It's going to take longer to cook. Okay? Right. So, by, so get the fat out. You're not going to eat it, right? You're not going to eat that because it is so much fat. So trim it down. Get rid of it now so you don't have to waste pellets and fuel. I salt it the night before. Lightly salt it and put it in the refrigerator, okay? Get it cold as you can, not frozen, but cold. If you want to go ahead and put on, uh, you know, onion powder, garlic powder, the salt, you certainly can. Nothing wrong with that. The salt is the key. You're dry brining the brisket a little bit. You want at least four hours of chill time. Eight to ten is better, but you want that salt lightly salted for at least four hours. I put it on my pellet grill. Now, this is on pellet grills. Uh, you, this will work on a Kamado, uh, but I put the brisket on dead cold on my pellet grill, and then I start it. On a Kamado, you want it lit and all the sooty smoke out of there before you put it on, okay? So you don't bring the meat to room temperature? No. Okay. Not. Okay. Now, here's why on a pellet grill. I want the most smoke I can get, okay? So cold meat is going to condensate and sweat just a little bit. That sweat's going to grab more smoke and pull it to the bar, okay? Now, the one thing I did skip, I, I do put gorilla beef rub on the brisket as I'm putting it on the pit, okay? You can do that the night before if you want. I, I don't. I like the salt just by itself, and I just put gorilla beef, and that's it. Okay? Right. Uh, and again, this is for pellet grills. I set my, my grill at 235 or 250, just depending on how I feel for the day. So a minimum of 235, I really prefer 250 because I'm usually in a hurry. And I walk away. I don't come look at that thing. I don't think about it. I don't do anything to it for four hours, okay? Four hours. Minimum. And now if you're, you're dealing with a dainty little brisket or just a flat, you're going to have to come back sooner, okay? Because you're going to be, it's going to cook faster. But on a full packer, four hours, and I come back, I look at it and go, do I like the way the color looks? Do I like the way the bark looks? Then I make my determination of whether I'm going to wrap at that point or I'm going to ride it out and not wrap. At home, more times than not, I wrap. Because, well, I'm fat. I'm hungry. I want to eat. Now, so, you, now you're wrapping it in, are you wrapping it in, uh, in uh, butcher paper? Uh, I like foil. I like foil. Okay. Uh, I think butcher paper is a fad that will die soon enough. Just my opinion. Uh, it's good, but I think it's pricey and foil yeah. works. So, you know, so I just don't. Yeah. And it's easier to so, find foil, at least oh, here. Man, the heavy I mean, foil yeah. is so much easier. And it right. holds and seals better, too. Right. Okay? So once I decide I'm going to foil it or wrap it, again, if you're looking for an internal temp, 165 to 170-ish is a good internal temp to wrap a brisket, Okay. But I wrap briskets at 150, and I wrap some at 180 if I didn't like the, the color of the bark, okay? I, I go by color. Go by feel on this. Okay. Once I'm happy with the way it looks, that's what I'm going to wrap. When I'm wrapping, I dust it again with, with rub. I, I like multiple coats of a rub. I don't like one heavy coat. That's just personal preference again. 
I put just a little bit of either Worcestershire sauce or beef broth or the product called Kitchen Accomplice is a, um, it's a very thick beef broth that basically is concentrated. I'll just put like a heavy squirt of that in there. And what it's going to do is turn all that beef rendering into this beautiful au jus. Okay. Because it's so thick, right? It's concentrated. You're using the fat that's now rendering out of the brisket. Right. To be the counterpoint to, this, uh, to the, the concentrated beef broth. Seal it back up. I walk away for an hour. Okay. At this point, you can turn your grill up to about 275 if you want. You need to get this thing done. Okay. Come back in an hour. Try it. You want your brisket tip somewhere between 195 and about 204, 205. Okay. Uh, but feeling it with that thermopin is right. key. You want to feel for tenderness. Okay. It's not tender at 198. Go on to 200. Chest at 200. It's not tender there. Go to 204. Okay. Don't be afraid. Just keep going. All right. Once you hit your target tip and it feels like it's it's good. Okay. Open up that foil, vent it for about a good 35, 40 second count. What you're trying to do is stop the cooking process. Okay, you don't want it to continue to cook. It's going to dry out. Right. Wrap it back up, put it in a cooler or a camera or even your oven in a pan. Right. Not on. And just let it rest for about an hour and a half, two hours. Okay? That's going to allow all that moisture to come back in the brisket and slowly come down to temp. Bring it out. Find the grain in the brisket, slice against the grain, take that beautiful au jus, dribble all over it, make it a great sandwich. Thank you. That for anyone listening to that, you you don't even realize what you you just heard. That is making a brisket is one of the hardest things to do in barbecue. Right, Shane? Is that correct? It it is. And listen, I I will say this. That process, I use it religiously. I use it on every every catering brisket that that we sell. But I will say this. Let's say I have 10 briskets. Five of those briskets using that process are going to be good. Okay? Two are going to be just amazing. One is going to just suck for no apparent reason. <laughs> and then there's all and then you got another couple that you're somewhere between it was good and amazing, right? One out of ten is just just going to suck, right? It's just, it's the nature of the beast. It's the way the cow lays. It's, it's the way it's fed. Right. And some are just more tough. So don't get discouraged if your first brisket just blows up your face, okay? Okay. Keep okay. Cooking. You know, stick with it. I, you'll get a good one. Uh, buy Prime if you can get it in your in your local town. That, okay. that does help. Right. Uh, and and find a butcher you can trust. That that's the other piece of advice I'd really give you. Thank you, Shane. This was Thank fantastic. Thank you very much, Shane. Appreciate I, it. I hope that. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did, and I hope that you will. We could do this again because this was fantastic. We're definitely going to do this again. Good. Uh, next time we'll do it in your format, and I, it's after you get the case of, of, of sauce. Thank you. And I want you, I want you to get a big league hot dog. Big right? league, yep. The real deal, smoke yes. the sauce in. Do what you got to do, okay? <laughs> okay. okay. I want it. Okay. Real world. Out, sitting out in left field. I want the reaction. We got it. We're going to city field. We'll be city there. field baseball season. We're bringing it. And uh, we will, we, yeah, we'll definitely. Thank right, you very thank you much. much. Thanks, Shane. Have a great night. And for everybody that watched and listened, and thank you very much. 
So we mentioned before this interview, before part two, which, by the way, hope you guys really enjoyed part two. Thanks again, Shane Draper, GrillaGrills.com, the unofficial grill of baseball and BBQ. Let's not forget a big thank you. To our studio host, who yes. hosted us at his studio, Gary Mack. We were very grateful to, to uh, go to his studio and do the interview. Yes, thank you, Gary Mack. Yeah, no, that was great that he gave us a studio. So, the reason we mentioned uh, we mentioned Mount Rushmore, right? Actually, I, I mentioned Mount Everest. I meant <laughs> Mount Rushmore. But we were doing it live, so I couldn't just make an edit at the time. Right. Um, so... Uh, Shane talked about some people that his sauce and his rubs that they beat out in this competition, and we mentioned that these were the Mount. They would be on the Mount Rushmore of barbecue people. Right. So Len got to thinking uh, Mount Rushmore of baseball. Now we've had this, and you've heard this discussion many, many times. Uh, but we were talking about the other day who would be on our Rushmore, Mount Rushmores. Now, and, and the thing with the Mount Rushmore is you could have categories for Mount Rushmore. Like if you're a fan of a team, okay? Now you guys know we're, we're Met fans, right? So maybe we would have a Mount Rushmore uh, of Mets, right? Which, w- which wouldn't be that difficult to do. It would be much more difficult for Yankee fans to have their Mount Rushmore. They're always talking about, you know, is Mariano Rivera now on the Mount Rushmore of Yankees? But then we're talking about Mount Rushmore of baseball players. Now, would they be players that we've seen play? Because, okay, Honus Wagner never saw a play. Stats are incredible. I guess he could be on my Mount Rushmore, but I, I never saw a play, so I don't think it's really fair. Ty Cobb, Walter Gentle, right. the, the greats. Right, but how about Mount Rushmore of players we've seen? We've seen, and that is a little more, uh, we have to really think about that because there are a lot of players when in our formidable years of watching baseball. Yeah, so you want to... Do you put, you know, how many pitchers are on that Mount Rushmore? I mean, you could put Tom Seaver would be on the Mount Rushmore, perhaps. Uh, but then, of course, uh, Steve Carlton might be on that Mount Rushmore. Uh, Randy Johnson, Randy I mean, Johnson, it, right? Yeah. Uh, Pedro Martinez could Greg, be Greg Maddox. Yeah, so you could have a Mount Rushmore of just pitchers that you've seen in in your lifetime. So, well, one. Jeff, give the information because we hope that this is going to stir up some discussion and that you guys will want to want to tell us your Mount Rushmore. Yeah, chime in. Give us your Mount Rushmore of people who you of players you've seen play or, or or haven't seen play. You just think they're the best ever. Our e- email is baseballandbbq at gmail dot com. You can leave a message on our voicemail hotline at five one six eight five five eight two one four and and. You might want to put it just on our Facebook page. Okay, Mount Rushmore. Hank Aaron. Mount Rushmore? You know what? I saw Hank Aaron toward the end of his career. Okay. I have not seen him in his prime. So if we're talking about plays we've seen, right. Right. I can't – just like Willie May. I, right. I saw Willie May on the Mets when he was 40 years old. You know, I know he's the, you know, maybe arguably the greatest player ever to play the game. But – Personally, who have I seen play in their prime? I can't put him on my Mount Rushmore. Do you put Ricky Henderson on that Mount Rushmore? Nick, Ricky Henderson, you know what? I, I don't, but I can tell you who I would put after thinking long and hard about it. There's two absolute no-brainers, actually three absolute no-brainers who I've seen that I would put on my Mount Rushmore. And the fourth one is debatable. 
Okay, who are they? Well, first of all, best pitcher I've ever seen is Tom Seaver. He's definitely the, the on the Mount Rushmore. The best catcher I've ever seen is Johnny Bench. And if you did not see the uh, special on the MLB Network of Johnny Bench, go see it. It's very, very good. He is just the best catcher I've ever seen play. And we've seen, I've seen Carter and Piazza and all those, and it was great. But, but for me, the one I've seen of the Big Red Machine was Johnny Bench was the greatest of all time. I would put uh, Mike Schmidt would be uh, on my Mount Rushmore. Uh, he was a Philly. That's a demerit. But he, uh, he's obviously 500 home runs, great, great player. Also an Ohio University uh, alum, so that is a positive for him. Okay, so it, 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 bounces, <laughs> it bounces out. It balances it. And, and we went to, you can't, he was a Philly, yes, but remember, we had a great day at Citizens Bank Park. Yeah, we did. So, they had a, and they had a statue of Mike Schmidt outside. Right. Now, they don't have a statue of Tom Seaver outside City, uh, City, City uh, Park. Yeah, well, now City that's... Field, but... Gary, Gary could come in on the argument with that. We, you know, and we all feel that uh, they, they've got to have some statues, so... So, my fourth player is... Because it, there were so many to choose from that I've thought was in their prime. Thinking about it, I, I... You know, I'm more of a National League guy... But I love Rod Carew. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Uh, George Brett was another guy of the Royals. But I would put as my fourth guy Tony Gwynn of, of the San Diego Padres. He just had a, such a sweet, sweet swing. And he was just, I thought, just one of the great players of, of all time. And obviously he's in a Hall of Fame. You know, the first off, I'd like to just say to the... Uh, to whoever came up with the design for Mount Rushmore, right? Not not who made it, but the, or maybe it's the same person who designed it. Why did you have to stop at four? Yeah, uh, yeah, right. If you, if we if if the Mount if Mount Rushmore had ten on it, then we could say the best ten players. That would make it a lot easier. Right, top, right? We, well, I guess we can go to the David Letterman route and go top ten. Right. But I, yeah, exactly, because because four is is tough. Is four is, is tough? Really tough. And yeah. I had a hard time with that fourth one because I really, I, I Rod Carew was just another guy who was just the great great hitter. But I went with uh, Tony Gwynn. And I, what about your your uh, top four? Your Mount Rushmore of players? Well. I definitely would put Tom Seaver on there because I'm a huge Mets fan and he was a fantastic pitcher. And I, I'm not, unfortunately, I didn't prepare in advance like you did, so I get a demerit for that. But I would put, I'm going to put Barry Bonds on that Mount Rushmore. Oh boy, am I going to get some criticism there. I know the steroids, but we didn't say that they had to be clean. Right, so the Mount Rushmore—do they have to be clean, or can they be uh, tainted? It's your, it's your Mount Rushmore, but you know what? You know, I could put Pete Rose on my Mount Rushmore as well, because there's never been a better player who did more with his talent, and he didn't have the best talent in the world, but he did more with. with he was a gritty, gritty player, and could you know, best best hitter. You know, obviously with all base hits. Uh, too bad he he bet on baseball, but that's another story. Well, we yeah, our Mount Rushmore. We could put guys who are um, banned from baseball, and on our Mount Rushmore, we could put the steroid users. But I'll keep them off for now. Well, you do what you want. Your Mount Rushmore. Oh, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm already working on. Uh, I'm working on carving the, the stone. Okay. I, I got a. I got a location for it. We're okay, gonna. Good. We're working good. on it. Um, all right. I was gonna say that I would put. Um, and of course, I lost. Uh, I. All right. So here's my Mount Rushmore. It's subject to change. Off the top of my head, Ken Griffey Jr. And then. I'm going to have two pitchers. I'm going to have Seaver, and I'm going to have Pedro Martinez. And then, of course, they've got to throw to someone, so I'm going to have Johnny Bench. And if we were doing the one hand, the five fingers of... Uh-huh. If I was gonna, if if one of them couldn't make the ceremony, and I really wanted to, you know, have them there, I would maybe I'd put it uh, Suzuki in Ichiro Suzuki. Suzuki? Yeah, maybe. You know, interesting with Ichiro, he had over three thousand hits in in the major leagues, right? In in major league baseball, yeah. But it's over four thousand if you take into account, uh, you know, his Japanese days. But I think he started in the United States in in you know MLB at age twenty seven. And still got 3,000 hits. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, we don't see a lot of him here on the East Coast because he played with Seattle. But really, I think we missed out because he was just an incredible, well, was. Isn't he still playing? Right? He hasn't retired he hasn't, yet. Actually, right. He's going to be playing for Seattle. Right. At least in the first series when they play, when they open in Japan in uh, March 20th, I believe. Uh, Seattle is playing in Japan. So um, Ishiro will be active for that. We don't know what his status is going to be afterwards. Now, my Mount Rushmore, of course, is subject to change. And you just pulled up you just pulled up on the computer. What are those, former Yankees? These are Yankees. It's just okay. Like, these are all the retired numbers. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I saw Derek Jeter was a great, great player. And I know that uh, we could maybe we could he could go on that Mount Rushmore. Well, I don't know of players I've seen of players I've seen he could go on there. He could, but so could Ozzy Smith. Yes, yeah, Ozzy Smith too. But uh, Jeter for offense and defense, and Ozzy more for his defense. There, there's so many different uh, variations you could do on your Mount Rushmore. Maybe we will do like a David Letterman top 10 sometime. Mm-hmm. Guys, let us know your Mount Rushmore. Write in, call us, go on our Facebook page. Also, we have a website. You can't post on the website, but we should mention the website. It's baseball at bbq.weebly.com. Absolutely. You know who also you can put on your uh, Mount Rushmore? Who? How about Ripken, Cal Ripken Jr.? Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I would put Pete Rose on on the Mount Rushmore as far as his play on the field. You know, we're not talking about, you know, what they did off the field. But on the field, definitely Pete Rose. Oh, what You know, pitchers, Jim Palmer. Jim Palmer. Okay. He, he could be on there. Uh, Randy Johnson could be on there. And Randy Johnson, that's a heck of a pitcher. And remember, guys, when we're talking about this right now, we're talking about players that we've, we've seen. seen. Right. Right. Okay. It, you know, if if you're 97 and you listen to our podcast, one, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and two, you know, you could put Babe Ruth on that on that uh, Mount Rushmore. You know, we can't. 
Right, exactly. You know, I know in the 70s, the uh, Dodgers... Jackie Robinson, they, I'm sorry, I don't want to interrupt you, but they could put, you know, we never saw Jackie Robinson play. He would go on the Mount Rushmore for somebody older. I'm sorry, Jeff, no, go ahead. Absolutely. But, you know, for people we've seen play, I remember the Dodgers being so good. You know what? And, and even, he's probably underrated, but Steve Garvey was an excellent player. Yeah. Yeah, Steve Garvey, especially with Harold Baines going into the Hall of Fame, that... I can't believe that Steve Garvey's not in the Hall of Fame. You know, that that's one of the things that letting Harold Baines in the Hall of Fame is going to do, is all these players that, you know, you, you, you're you not happy that they're not in, but you somehow could say, all right, well, maybe they are borderline. But now, Garvey, um, uh, uh, Keith Hernandez. Keith Hernandez. Okay? They, there is no way that Harold Baines is a better player than those two. Right. Absolutely. So the, it's... You got to, the, the uh, what is it, the all-timers committee, whatever they're called now. Right. Uh, they have different names for different committees. Right. Yeah. They got to put those guys in. Absolutely. They, they have to. But we'll see what happens. All right. So who else? Uh, Mount Rushmore. You happy with your Mount Rushmore for now? Uh, you know, subject to change. But Seaver and Bench will always be on there. Uh, Gwyn. But I guess you can put Gwyn with Pete, you know, interchange Pete Rose, uh, Mike Schmidt, you know. I mean, I don't know. Can you get any better than that? I, I, I don't know. Duh. I don't know. But, Len, are you ready for another edition of Hall of Fame Year in an Ordinary Career? Yes! I, I love that feature. I'm glad we came up with it. Okay, today's feature is Oral Hershiser. Now, we think of Oral Hershiser as a, as a great Bulldog pitcher, and his, that was his nickname, Bulldog. Right. He played for several teams, the Dodgers, the Indians, the Mets, the Giants. And we thought of him as a, a great pitcher, especially in 1988. He carried that team to the World Series. Had an amazing, amazing year. That was like a Hall of Fame year. Right. Are you saying that otherwise he had an ordinary career? You know, uh, he had a couple of good years. Two, I would say two good years. In, in his, all of his 18 years. And you think of it much better than that. But if you're looking at the statistics, he had two dominating years. 1985, when he was 19 and 3 with a 2.03 ERA. And he came in Cy Young, he, he was third in Cy Young that, that year. Uh, 1985, that was the, I think, Dwight Gooden year of winning the, the Cy Young. He also had, like I said, in dominating, 1988, dominating. 23-8, and 8, 2.26 ERA, 15 complete games, led the league in innings pitched, and he was the Cy Young Award winner. And he also had uh, consecutive scoreless innings, right? I think he still owns, owns the record, yes. Most innings, uh, consecutive scoreless innings, absolutely. But other than that, you know, you go through his his year-by-year statistics, he was, four, he was a 500 pitcher. But be, between 1985 and 1990... Except for those two outstanding years, in in eighty six five hundred pitcher fourteen and fourteen eighty seven sixteen and sixteen five hundred pitcher eighty nine fifteen and fifteen five hundred pitcher ninety I guess he was hurt he was one and one a five hundred pitcher so you know those those years when it, he was aged twenty six to thirty besides those two outstanding years he was basically a five hundred pitcher for his career. 204 wins, 150 losses, 3.48 ERA. Complete games he had 
19, uh, no, I'm sorry, he had 68 complete games. That's great, you know, compared to today. Right. Um, but otherwise, you know, it, it was 6-6 six and six in 1994. In 1995, he was good with Cleveland, 16-6. That, that's very good, obviously. Um, 96, again with Cleveland, 15-9. and nine. Uh, With the Mets, he was 13-12. and 12. But he did help us help the Mets get to the playoffs, and he ended his career in 2000 with the Dodgers at age 41, and he only went one and five, averaging an 162 game average. He was 14 and 10 with a 3.48 ERA as an as an average. What do you think? Yeah, ordinary he, career. Yeah, an ordinary. A little, a little, a little above ordinary. I would say um, he he definitely had. Those two couple of years were incredible, Hall of Fame years. Yeah, and I thought if he, could, you know, obviously if he sustained that, it would have been a, right. a Hall of Fame career. But after that, you know, he had some good years, but nothing spectacular. Right. right. Yeah, he was a good pitcher, so a little above ordinary. But you're right; he definitely qualifies for a Hall of Fame year in ordinary career. But he did have, but when he did have great moments, like in '88, I mean, he did it right. Yeah, and, and a pitcher to do it by himself. Now, you know, Kirk Gibson did hit that home run in the World Series off of, off of a Hall of Fame reliever, Dennis Eckersley. If it wasn't for for Hershiser, they would never have gotten there. And, I, you know, Len, I'm thinking about the Hall of Fame again. So I was watching this show this morning on uh, the 10 best pitchers, I think it was, in today's game. Who, 10 best pitchers in today's game. Right. And I'm thinking, uh, who could be a Hall of Fame from this group? So, of today's players, who do you think will end up in the Hall of Fame? Well, I mean, Kershaw is going to is going to be in the Hall of Fame. Yes. Okay. Uh, Verlander is going to yeah. be in the Hall of Fame. Yes. So, and it doesn't have to be pitchers. I'm just that, that kind well, of you, jog, well, jog my ma- oh, memory. Okay. No, only because you were mentioning yeah. you you said pitchers. Everyday players. Well, I, also I would put I think Scherzer is on his way to Hall of Fame as well. Yeah, yeah, Scherzer. Pos- position players. I'm not gonna, Suzuki's going in the Hall of Fame, but I don't get. But he's he's at the end of his career, right. so Suzuki. Yeah. Aaron Judge, if he continues if the he way continue, he's going, yeah. could be in the Hall of Fame. Mike Trout. Yeah, right. Mike Trout could be, yeah. I don't think, oh, actually, you know what? Bryce Harper, I'm not going to say no, he Hall has, of Fame. He's not the proof. Right. What I was going to say is Bryce Harper, actually, well, he, had, he hits a lot of home runs, but besides his MVP season... He might actually be featured on our uh, Hall of Fame year in ordinary careers. He could be. I mean, he Bryce has the hype, but yeah. right now I mean, he had two good years of his seven. I don't, you know, right now he's he's not on Hall of Fame track. Now he's going to get paid like it. Right. He's right. He's he's a very good baseball player. The money that he's asking, and I know I'm going off on a tangent. You asked a question about who's going to be in the Hall of Fame out of this uh, out of the current players, and we're in the off season. Yeah, uh, uh, the the spring training is starting up right right about now. Right. And so I just, uh, I'm trying to think, but yes, you said Trout. Well, you never know. Altuve could be. uh, He's on his his way. Could be. I guess Correa on the team as well. Right. Possibly, I mean, Yelich. Yelich, you know, if he keeps it up. Yeah, is he at the, maybe he started something, he had the MVP year. So these guys are definitely. Maybe, Maybe a Goldschmidt. 
possibly. Of the, of the now Cardinals? But, you know, the problem with this is making these kind of predictions is if you had asked me when Don Mattingly was playing, is Don Mattingly going to be a Hall of Famer? I would have said no doubt. Right. But then you don't know that what happens. He had the back injury and he was never the same. And now, unfortunately, he's not. David Wright had stats that... He was on his way. He, he was on his way if he kept going year after year, but he also with the back injury. So let's go back. Daryl Strawberry. Oh, yeah. Right? If you had said to me, is Daryl Strawberry going to be in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, but unfortunately, uh, drugs, bad health, and right. just, you know... Yeah, dumb decisions. Yeah. All doomed him by Dwight Gooden. Yeah. Dwight Gooden looked like he was going in. The, in a, again, drugs, right. bad decisions. Right. So, but of today's players, I'm telling you right now. Okay. Who there's Trout. Right. And then there's a big drop off to everybody else of, <laughs> of, of everyday players. Right. Right. Because yes. everybody, you know, and don't give me the argument that. Bryce Harper is up there. You know, he's not. Right. He's not even close to Trout. No. Trout is by far right. and away the best oh, yeah. player. What about Manny Machado? Manny Machado, again, very good player, not in the league as Mike Trout. No, not in the league as Mike Trout, but talking about potential future Hall of Famers. You know, he'll be paid like one, but, you know, I don't know at this point. You know, he's a great shortstop for the Orioles, but, you know, Calvin was much better. Right. Now, here's another thing. One of the things that's going on right now in baseball is you've got these players who are a little older. I mean, I'm talking about their early 30s, and baseball's becoming a young game. And these players aren't getting signed, or they're, they're not getting the contracts that they thought. Is baseball going to be a game where you get to be 33, 34, 35? Yeah, when did that become old? And, and you're not going to be in the old? game. Right. When did that become old? A discussion for another podcast as we are running out of time. Okay. Yeah, that is a discussion for another podcast because what's going to happen is these guys aren't going to get the number of years in the game unless they start coming up earlier. That could be another thing. You know, guys used to used to be guys to come up till they were like 22, 23. Maybe they'll start coming up at 21, 20. I don't know. And now another edition of Baseball Rant. Every year with this idiotic debate on putting the DH in the National League. What makes me laugh is how fans get so angry about it. You see this stuff on Twitter and Facebook. Fans get so up in arms about it. Each side not only trying to make their point, but they're also being such jerks about it. The usual argument for the DH is fans don't want to see the pitchers hit. Another argument is the injury factor. Guess what? Pitchers get hurt pitching. And there's always one fan who brings up the injury of Ching Ming Wong who got hurt running the bases. I know that, that Tanaka also hurt, got hurt by running the bases. But you know what? If you play a sport, there's a chance of getting injured. That is inherent in the sport. They'll say, well, if the DH, if the NL pitcher is, got hurt batting, you would be for the DH. Wrong. As a Mets fan, the ground got, did get hurt last season and missed the start or two. But like I said, injuries happen. The argument against the DH is that strategy will be taken out of the game. Double switches and pitch hitting. No need for pitchers. Pitch hitters when a pitcher doesn't hit. Less hit and run. Well, that's been happening less and less the last few things anyway. Why waste it out at the bottom of the lineup and strategy will be taken out of the game? You know, I happen to like the NL style. Another ridiculous argument I hear the NL teams are cheap. How ridiculous. In terms of payroll, seven of the top 12 teams are NL teams and nine of the bottom 12 are AL teams. 
the stock would be, end up being cheap, and they don't want the extra hitter. Now, I only heard one intelligent reason to implement the DH in the National League. Since pitchers do not go deep in games anymore, except for the lead pitchers like the Grom, Scherzer, Kershaw, Baumgartner, pitchers would at most get two at-bats. They would be pinch hit for anyway. Now, I'm not saying I'm for it. I'm on record being totally against the DH. But all I'm saying is that is the most intelligent argument rather than running the bases. Heck, position players get hurt running the bases. Is it really too much to ask an athlete to actually run? But I do have a solution. Each team can expand one team in each league. No more interleague play. That gimmick has worn off years ago. In fact, a buddy and, and I went to a Yankee game at Yankee Stadium. Seats available. When that intercity rivalry does not sell out, the luster is gone. And I'll play their style, and I'll play their style, and never the two shall meet except in the World Series. Now, I believe there should be one set of rules in the World Series. Either use a DH or not use a DH. None of this while playing in the AL Park use a DH, and when in the AL Park, don't use a DH. How about this? All today, every year. Simple. World Series teams can build their roster when a DH is in or not in use. Yet when it is no DH, have an extra pitcher in the bullpen. When you have a DH isn't used, have an extra batter on the bench. Simple. When no DH is used, pitchers can actually practice hitting. Ooh. But enough of the fans berating each other about which way is better. Heck, if you don't like the DH, good for you. If you like the DH, that's good for you too. But why do you want to impose the AL rules on NL club? Why does it bother people so much? You know what? Just keep it the way it is. That's my rant for today. And that will do it for us. Again, please give us a call, 516-855-8214. Comment on our Facebook page. Let us know who your Mount Rushmore is. Email us, baseball and bbq at gmail.com. And next time, this is Jeff. And Led. See you later. Gonzalez, the record. All Hershiser, 59.